Hi everyone, Devin Granger-Barris here from Hawthorne Football Club. Just had a really good chat with the boys from Where Do We Begin podcast talking grand final, all things life and all things footy, so go give it a listen. Now, Lockie, uh, I'm going to mix it up a bit. I'm going to start this interview with a question for you. Is that okay? Look, it's all right, mate. You haven't given me too much notice. Let's crack in. <laughs> okay. How many days do you reckon it is since we spoke to uh, Denver Granger Barris? I don't know, but probably about 200 too many. I wish I spoke to him sooner. <laughs> exactly. 205 <laughs> days. And I'll tell you, I've been marking those days down in my calendar ever since we last spoke. And the moment has finally come. Uh, the season's over for Denver. And that means he's right back here where he belongs on the Where Do We Begin podcast. It's great to have him back on. Thanks very much for joining us again, mate. No, no, my pleasure, guys. It's good to be back. Like you said, 205 days. That sounds like 204 too many, so good to be back. <laughs> oh, mate, it's absolutely beautiful. We nearly didn't invite you back after seeing your beautiful snaps over in WA, making the rest of us Melbourneites jealous. You escaped. I want to know how you do it. Did you dig a tunnel underneath? Like, how did you get out of here? I uh, I got on the, we finished up on a Tuesday and I got on the first flight out. Um, I flew out <laughs> Tuesday night, so we wrapped up at about twelve uh, with our meetings and yeah, straight away I saw what's next flight. It was Tuesday night. I checked with the club, make sure that was okay because there was word going around that they were going to shut the borders, like hard shut between WA and Vic as as soon as that Friday. So I said. I wasn't going to uh, worry about too much. I was just going to pack a suitcase and try and get out. And luckily enough, I did. Um, so I came back to the old stomping ground in, in High Wycombe in WA and I did my two weeks quarantine and hated every second of it. But now I, uh, I'm pretty glad I did it. Yeah, uh, like lots of athletes around Australia have had to do quarantine, but not too many footy players have had to do that kind of interstate no. quarantine because of all the bubbles. So what did you do with yourself that for those two weeks? Yeah, I sort of... I sort of I want to say it was very productive, but I'd be completely lying to you. Um, I think for the first 12 days, I played video games the whole time. And then day day 13, I sort of sat down and started looking at some future pathways in terms of, in terms of uni or a certificate or like just sort of seeing what that sort of looked like, seeing if anything sparked the interest. And then, uh, yeah, on day 13, I hit a wall. So lucky I only had one more day after that point, but... Um, then day 14 was pretty much spent pacing the walls until they'd let me out. Um, and then they did and I went and got ice cream and that was, that was my quarantine. <laughs> Jeez, that, that sounds fun. And look, I could, we could be speaking to you all days about all the amount of fun that I'm sure you're getting up to in WA, but let's get back on track. Let's talk about it. So <laughs> first AFL season, so 205 days ago, whatever it was, we just spoke to you in the preseason. Now you've completed your AFL season. What are your initial thoughts yeah, wow. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a different thing, AFL footy. So I thought I I thought playing league footy back here um, against bigger middle aged men, um, a lot of ex AFL <laughs> players. I thought that would uh, that give me a nice and easy sort of transition into it. But little did I know that there were younger blokes who hit a lot harder um, at, at AFL level. So yeah, just come over and sort of get taught that lesson pretty quick it was pretty good. I um, yeah, I had a knee injury which sucked early in the year, but like the AFL program, the professionalism is something that, you know, you'll always be um, mesmerised by. So to come into that sort of environment is pretty cool. Oh, yeah, mate. I can imagine. That would just be so, so awesome. And uh, how have you – has your kind of idea of what you want to be as a player, has that evolved uh, throughout the last six months or so? 
Oh, yeah, a little bit, definitely. I think um, if you'd asked me last year, I'd talk highly about how much I want to have an intercept, um, how much I want to have an impact in the air and intercept and, like, none of that's really changed. But um, the element of, like, just being defensively stable and um, knowing that my teammates can rely on me um, and knowing that they'll trust me to, to do the right thing with ball in hand or without it. So that sort of element of my game's... Like I've held that to a higher regard this year. I think that's something I'll continue, continue with. So it's sort of gone away from a little bit more less personal now to more of a team orientated goal, which I've always been team orientated, but I reckon more so now. Yeah, geez, you've really got the uh, the footy media mantra all, all about the boys, which which we, which we love, Denver. But look, we'll, we'll talk a bit of a team later. We'll go back to the personal, and I'm not much of a stats fan, but I think something that really did impress me in that from the games that you've played this year that you ranked elite for tackles, averaging over two tackles a game, although you did get six in one game, which is impressive. Four spoils and 1.8 intercept marks. So you got that intercept marks game down pat. But I think what's really impressive is, like you said, your defensive craft, which is probably one of the harder things to get straight into when you step up to the big leagues. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. It's something I've actually, to be honest with you guys, like I've never, ever been any good at is tackling. Because, like, to be honest, I'm just like, I don't need to tackle if I've, if I mark it, <laughs> like that was, it was always like my little mantra. Like if I if I just mark it or I just grab it, like or I have the footy, then I don't need to lay tackles. But you sort of learn, especially going the AFL system. Sometimes you can't yeah mark everything. So and I was sort of struggling, especially after my debut to sort of find my way into game. So I thought, what's the best way to do this? It used to be just try and run into someone and find a body, um, and that sort of evolved this year into. Um, laying tackles and having a bit more of an impact that way. So, yeah, I remember, I think that was against Brisbane. I had the six, um, and, and it still wasn't a game where I, I, I think McStay kicked four on me just quietly. Um, <laughs> like it wasn't one of my better games, but, yeah, I had six tackles and sort of saw, saw a different side of the game then and tried to improve on it from there. Yeah, yeah, um, perfect, mate. And we've uh, kind of... We've integrated some, decided to integrate some bit of social questions from some of our audience into this class of 2020, the second episode, second installment of Edge One. So we've got one kind of on this from Jacob Maynard on Twitter. In the long run, do you see yourself as a Stephen May or Jake Lever? In other words, will you be a lockdown fullback or more of an intercepting defender in the Sicily mould? Yeah, cool. Yeah, I I don't know. It's a a really good question. I remember before I got drafted, my... um, I guess you sort of say mantra was that I wanted to be a Dylan Grimes like with Alex Rant's um, capabilities. So, um, you know, the ability to read the ball and just mark it. So, Jake Lever, very similar. Um, just go and get it and just have your team trust you that when they kick long, you know, you're going to be there to mark it or impact. Um, whilst also having that Alex Rance type who you plonk him on your biggest forward, your buddy Franklin's. Um, you know, your Ben Browns and just like trust that they'll do the job there as well. So I think finding a balance between those two. So I want to like, I want to um, have the team's trust and the coach's trust to go play on the most influential opposition player, but at the same time have the ability to still play my game, which will help the team. So finding that balance is something I want to develop. Oh, mate, and if that happens, you are going to be a very, very uh, exciting <laughs> prospect if you're not already uh, for Hawks fans and footy fans in general, I guess. Great player to watch already. Uh, bigger and better things to come, uh, we hope and we imagine, but kind of just on positions again, uh, I was having a look through so the VFL stats for the one VFL game you played this year uh, against <laughs> Essendon, and it said, yeah. uh, it said you played on the half-forward flank 
against Essendon. Is that like inaccurate? No, it's a I, I thought. I think. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I think Box Hill. Um, it, it, one of two. One of two things happens here. It's every week. Um, one of two things happens. One is that the people who put the social media posts up, a, don't know the players, or they have no clue what <laughs> positions they're playing in. Or two, it's a strategy to try and confuse the opposition where they put players in all different sorts of positions. So, no, I never lined up up the half forward flank. Um, you would have seen probably five or six to my name if I did, but um, <laughs> no, I was playing from fullback the whole day. Jeez, I hope the Box Hill social media team aren't listening because there's absolutely <laughs> nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll, we'll, say, we'll say it was a strategy. It was a smart moment. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And so. As we've established, you know, you're back over in WA. What was it like being back in Victoria, especially like you said, you were super close with your partner, you got your whole family back home. Did you get homesick and all and was it real difficult, particularly with the state lockdowns? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. Like, I think I remember I've, I've spoken about it quite a bit this year um, and the more I've sort of spoken about it, the more I've understood it. And I've always sort of, I've always maintained that I believe it's like my partner, Abby. I believe it's hard. It was a lot harder on her this year. Um I mean, I left into this world. I joined a new family, a new football club. Um, I had all these things going for me. Um, you know, just so much change, so much excitement. The days went so quick, whereas I sort of left, I don't want to say left her, but um, <laughs> she was stuck back here in WA with everything that was the same. So, um, you know, I was keeping busy. Um, I had so much things to keep my mind going. So I didn't, didn't really stop to think about it too much. I think that I did that deliberately. Um, sort of shying away from the facts because I'm a, I'm a big family man. But, um, yeah, the Melbourne life's pretty hectic, so it keeps you on your toes. So I didn't really have much time to stop and think about it, which is a blessing in its own way. Yeah, do you reckon uh, – I think uh, having a look at your Instagram, like throughout the season, your family visited you like once, but was it just yeah. that it? You, you saw them once and yeah. cut there? So I was, yeah, I was really lucky. Just for some reason, mum, mum had a weekend off and I think it was um, – Oh, when did they? They came to a game. Was it the G? Oh, I can't remember. But yeah, I um got mum, got mum, the sister, and my girlfriend actually surprised me. Um, so they came for the Saturday and the Sunday. Just popped over really quickly. Um, got them flights. First flight I found, and they ended up surprising me. And Abby, my partner, came over as well. Um, so it was a really, really good thing to have the whole group together. Um, but yeah, it was only a couple of days, which is really good. But I wanted to try and show them everything, show them a bit of Melbourne, my family the footy, the club, and it just got a bit jam-packed. But um, it was really, really good to see them. And that eventually was the only two years, two days I'd seen them for the year. So a um, bit of a crazy one, but I'm home now. So, oh, well. <laughs> yeah, beautiful, mate. Beautiful. And that's that sounds like a really positive memory and a great weekend. And I think now we might reflect on something that's probably a bit less positive. So the, what I've, from what I've spoken from you, I think there's one thing that I can take away is that you're an absolutely competitive beast. And I can only <laughs> yeah. imagine, mate, was it was it tough like round one preseason not being selected? I know that, I know that you know, you're a team man like you said, but mm. seeing the other players that were drafted after you debuting, I can I can just imagine how frustrating that was. Oh, mate, absolutely. I'm a super, like, exactly like you said, super competitive and um like, yeah, it's just like I see people like CJ flourishing and it's so good for the team, but um, it frustrates me in the same sense. Like I'm, I'm um, so competitive and I want that to be me to having that impact, even though it's great for him to be doing it for the team. I'm just sort of – I think that's sort of one of my like motivating factors. It's why I've sort of pushed myself so hard over the years is there's always been someone better. There's always been someone doing what I want to be doing. Um, 
So, you know, you've always got something to strive for. So, yeah, round one came. I know my goal early on was to play round one and um, look, Hawks, Hawks, um, you know, they finished up the year previously pretty low down. I think they were 15th or something. Um, yeah, so, you know, the uh, high draft pick should slot straight in sort of talk. I guess it sort of got to me a little bit. Um, preseason came round and, I mean, I've never been the fittest character ever, but, like, I didn't, I wasn't up to standard, AFL standard, and I had a f- few practice matches um, for the season and played okay in some and average in others. So, yeah, that's sort of the inconsistency that you don't really want because your teammates can't trust you. And I sort of understood when round one came that I wasn't going to be in the team. But, yeah, like you said, my competitive nature sort of made me fight back and try and try and f- fight my way into the team. And I think it was... It was two weeks later or something. I did my knee sadly, but yeah, I've always been that way. I've always been competitive. Um, yeah, super, super intense that way. Wow, mate! Thanks so much for your honesty. I think that's right. Like, geez, yeah, I can, I can imagine how tough it was, and it really gives a great insight into not only you as a person, but I guess what you went through at the time, didn't it, mm. Harps? Oh yeah, exactly. Couldn't uh, be more right about that. And talking about that knee injury, hyperextension. Uh, like, you, obviously, you. Got back and uh, played games. Yeah. Uh, hardly, basically bypassed the VFL, just straight into the team. Played one game in the yeah. VFL and then straight into it. But uh, there, were, I saw some things on uh, some socials. Uh, I don't know how, how true these are, but they were saying that there were fears that you were going to be out for the season. Uh, yeah. Any any truth in that? Yeah. Well, it was one of the, it's one of those weird ones. Well, when I first did it, um, it's probably one of the worst pains I've ever felt. Um, I remember, like, I'm not. I'm one that like I like to think I'm pretty tough. So like I've had some pretty bad injuries. I broke my wrist playing footy. Um, you know, and I remember when I did that, I just sort of smiled and laughed and walked off. And I sort of, you know, I've never had an injury bad enough where I've actually like screamed. Like, I remember the Richmond thing. I screamed. I threw my mouth guard. I was in so much pain. Um, and then I settled down. Um, it's <laughs> the initial pain sort of fell away, and I, I ended up jogging off. But yeah, straight away concerned of ACL with a with a um, the thing. They did a little test and they said no, it should be fine. But um, yeah, the pain I was feeling, I knew it was pretty serious, and I thought there was PCL damage and end up being a little bit of PCL damage. But so PCL, which goes across your knee, um, had a slight tear in it, and if that wasn't as strong as it was um, in that situation, it was Coleman Jones for Richmond who landed on it. Um, if, that, if my PCL had a, had a broken, apparently my leg would have folded in half. So, yeah, it would have been a whole season. So, I was, I was what, quite literally a couple of centimetres off missing missing a whole year and probably still being in rehab. So, there was a lot of uncertainty back then, so I can uh, understand the confusion. Yeah, geez. I mean, I can only imagine what your first few weeks of AFL was like. <laughs> I mean, you're away from home. You miss out on round one, which you'd set that goal, and then two weeks later, injured. I mean, how, how did you deal with all that? Oh, I remember one of the. I still say one of the best things that ever happened to me was when I um, I did my shoulder, my debut game for my league, League Swan District Waffle. I was uh, 16 and I just come off uh, um, under 18s. I was playing up, and yeah, just so my bottom age year, I just played against the Victoria. I played on Cody Waitman actually. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> played really, played really, really well. We won that game, and I was I was sort of off and flying, and then playing my league debut. At, yeah, I did my shoulder and that slowed me down. And um, at the time, it sucked because I was like, I was like, you know, really boosting my draft stop. But yeah, the rehab then gave me the ability to sort of stop and reevaluate. And that's, excuse me, that's exactly what I did when I did my knee. I sort of stopped, reevaluated, 
found the silver linings and that was the ability to get my weight up, get some strength up, um, learn the way of AFL rehab and yeah, sort of took it day by day and I got through it. What were these silver linings that you found? Oh, well, one was um, putting on weight, one. Um, I put on four kilos whilst in rehab. Um, I ended up losing it all when I came back, I'll be honest. <laughs> um, that's just like the load that, that running does. But yeah, so I had four kilos and I put on, I think it was seven and a half kilos um, um, increase in my bench press. So I went up to um, just over 90. My bench press, when I was like, when I was back home, I could barely bench 70. Uh, I don't think I've ever put 70 on the bar. So. <laughs> yeah, that was a little silver line. But I was uh, I was with Little Day at the time. He um he just just when he did his ankle, I did my he did his ankle the same day I did my knee. Um, and like I said earlier, with the competitiveness, like he's very similar. So, um, you know, I reckon I don't think my bench press would have got as high as it was if it wasn't him pushing behind me. So, um, yeah. So like like I said, credit to him. But it's like we worked on together. Jeez, I just put weight onto the barge. I finally got up to 30 keys, and now you just absolutely hates <laughs> it. I wish I could get up to 70, Denver, mate. Put it, putting us all to shame. But, um, but it's, and like Harv's touched on, so you've done, you've done your rehab, and so you come, come back in it for your VFL comeback game. And I remember Twitter that day, because obviously we're oh, yeah. ta- um, taking close attention. I think one of the tweets that came out was like, that's your last ever game in the twos, Denver. I saw a few Hawks people. So you obviously yeah, you impressed. I that. Yeah, I remember <laughs> it came back. I um that was a fun game. It was actually I because I, I ended up playing four VFL games before I did my knee. Sorry, VFL scratches. Um and then you got to Essendon, you know, run out, you beauty, played you beauty, um, played okay, split my head open, you beauty. Um <laughs> won the game, you beauty, and all of a sudden they get pushed into the middle. I just had absolutely no clue what was going on. And then I realized that it was actually my VFL debut that came like 14 weeks into the season, even though I'd already played what felt like six games or of VFL. So, yeah, I got pushed into the surf. We got my Gatorade shower and off I went. <laughs> <laughs> now, from the VFL debut to the AFL debut, and before we kind of talk about your experience. I just want to found a bit of a kind of strange uh, comparison that I found. So I read something that you you were the first uh, top 10 pick for Hawthorne since 2006. I had a look who that top 10 pick was. He was pick number six, like you, a guy called Mitch Thorpe, 194 mm. centimetres. You're 195 centimetres. You both debuted uh, in round 15 wins at the MCG where the Hawks <laughs> were down at quarter time. Both had four kicks, and uh, unfortunately, we might get onto this later, but you both missed the next week with injury. Uh, <laughs> That's so uncanny. That, that is uncanny. Is, yeah, I, I, I was it's just digging deeper and deeper, yeah. and the similarities were just falling uh, before me. Uh, Mitch Thorpe, uh, probably a bit disappointed with how his AFL career ended up, but hopefully, big things to come from you, my friend. Let's talk about your debut, though, against the Giants in what was a good upset win at the time for the Hawks. But let's talk about just – let's be selfish. You be selfish. <laughs> talk about yourself. How was your experience of that game? Were you nervous? Oh, no. Actually, it was really, really weird. I was um, – it was one of the, you know, debut, everyone talks it up, you know. You got to get nervous. And, I was, yeah, I was just saying, like, nah. Oh, well, like, you know, playing on Saturday. Life goes on kind of thing. And I remember, like, Tom Mitchell came up to me and was like, oh, yeah, how nervous are you? Oh, yeah. And when I told him I wasn't, he like looked at me like almost with a level of like disgust. Like this is your debut, mate. You should be shitting yourself. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I don't know why. I think I think I just sort of 
I, I talk about it quite a bit going back to like my process and like just treat it like another game, like a VFL game. And I find the games where I get really nervous, I overthink too much. So I tried to just stay um, stay busy in the mind. But yeah, I, I mean, I remember when I got to the game, um, yeah, that's when I think when it kicked in and it finally like actually I've like understood that I was debuting. Um, and that's when I think a little bit of the nerves kicked in. I went to the toilet a few times, probably five or six times before we actually went out. So yeah, I guess you can say there was a little bit of nerves, but in the lead up, not really. Right, awesome. And so, yeah, so you've got out there, you've got a crowd. And I remember I got a couple of messages from my Hawthorne mates because, you know, they've seen that you're on the podcast. Like, oh, they, they loved you from the straight. You you showed so much fire out on that field for your first game. Yeah. You're were, you were pretty fearless. Yeah, I don't know why. I like, I do, I tend, I like to play like that. That's me at my ideal level. Um, but yeah, I just took it to another level. Yeah, almost like, <laughs> almost to a bad. Like, I remember I, I like, on the wing, I punched Callum Ward in the head by accident. I was spoiling, oh. and I, I split him open. And you know, that was my f- I was excited about the match here, and I worried I was going to lose it in a fine because I punched him in the face. Um, yeah, no, I was sort of yeah, just played with that element of aggression. Um, I sort of fit, like dwindled away a little bit later in the year, sort of focused on the team a little bit more. But yeah, we just I remember early on we were struggling a little bit, so I just sort of I don't want to say took it on myself but like I just sort of thought what's like similar like I was thinking about earlier like how can I bring myself into this and I thought the best way to do that was to get into Finlayson get into Himmelberg try and just um, become a little pest and uh, yeah no, I think it, I think it worked I think it worked out that's interesting so you said that you like to get aggressive on the field and it's polar opposite to now which is just such a good like such a nice guy so calm <laughs> so you. chill um, is it hard do you find it hard to get into that mindset or because you're such yeah. a competitive person once you get in the mind once you're on the field it's it's white line it's go time yeah absolutely yeah, I remember I used to play against I'm saying true went to the Eagles um, like even like especially him actually but like when I would come in community footy or whenever I'd come against like the state boys in, at like Swan Districts to um, Waffle um yeah, I'd get like I'd almost like I'd take it out. I'd make it worse for them in a way. Like I don't know. I just cross the line and like they come up and like try and shake your hand and they'd be like a stiff arm, don't touch me. Um, yeah, I just I sort of always I probably took it. I probably took it a little bit too far back then. But um, yeah, like I just I don't know why I always cross the line. I've just like I've always never ever been someone to make it personal. Like I'll never ever chirp you about something in your personal life. I'll only ever go if you're footy. Like the day, if you mess up a kick, I'll make sure you know about it, sort of thing. And that's sort of like my little, my little mantra. So, like, and then as soon as the siren goes, like, I could, me and you could have had a brawl and you could have punched me in the face, fair and square. Like, the siren goes, I'll walk over and give you a big hug. And, like, great game, love the way you play. Like, that's always in my sort of way. I've sort of held on to that since juniors. Oh, mate, yeah, just like a <laughs> spectator view and talking to you view we wouldn't have it any other way it's, it's so good to see a uh, bit of fire yeah. on your belly but so cool karma collected off the field uh, one more little thing about the game though uh like we talk about the courage and the first touch uh first i think it was your first touch of the ball correct me if i'm wrong but it was like you spoiled it and it went about yeah. five minutes forward and then you ended up marking it i don't think i've ever seen that kind of thing before <laughs> no, it was your first touch absolute a <laughs> luke like if you there's a there's a video there's a, there's a sorry there's a there's a picture of it um i'll send it to you and it's it's a picture of me and i'm sort of punching it like that and then if you look at me i'm like this i'll yeah like got no clue what i'm doing it was love's ward coming back i think and yeah i just threw an arm at it and for some somehow it sort of rolled up my arm and then landed in my lap 
And then I pulled back and I was like, okay, I can look for an inside kick, but I'll probably mess it up. So I was like, I'll just I'll just go along. Hey. I'll just do the safe thing here and try and kick it out of bounds. And that was my first disposal, yeah. Yeah, and then so not every first game can end in a fairy tale, but yours did. You got the win, mate. Against a team that ended on to making the semi-final. That must have been so special. Yeah, it was. It was really like it was one of those games where, I mean, no game in my eyes is ever out of your reach. But it was one of those games. It was like, okay, we've been playing average. Um, what can we do here to try and make sure we get over the line? And um, the way we started off the first quarter, I was a bit nervous. Like you know, you're, everyone wants to play their first game and win. I was a bit nervous, and then. I ended up getting concussed in the third quarter, so I don't remember any of the third quarter, but I remember coming out onto the, onto the bench at the fourth and looking and seeing we're up by 20 points. And, yeah, I remember like, I didn't want to cheer and dance. Oh, sorry, I wanted to cheer and dance, but I knew I couldn't. Um, but, yeah, to know that we were getting the win uh, in my first game was a, was a pretty surreal feeling. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Did it sour it, getting concussed on debut? And oh. do you have much concussion history or do you, you nah. got the oh. win? You couldn't really... <laughs> Yeah, it's a hard one, uh, concussion. It's not something you really want to talk about too much because, you know, there, there's all these protocols nowadays and, um, you know, if you say how many you've had. But I've had, I've had, a, I've had a fair few, um, but none of which have been to probably the extent that I had on in my debut. I, I, and weirdly enough, like, I've had, I've had a lot worse knocks. Um, like, I've been flattened way harder. But for just for some reason, the motion, I was in a Finlayson tackle. No one probably even knows where the incident came from. Um, I was in a Finlayson tackle and he sort of just sort of fell over his shoulder. Um, he had my arms and I think I just went headfirst in the ground. I just had a whopping headache. Um, and yeah, that's that's the last thing I remember um, until I woke up in the doctor's office um, just after three-quarter time. So I remember watching the vision and seeing like me spoil the ball over the line in the third quarter and just thinking like, how was I running out there? Like I had no clue what I was doing. So <laughs> it sucked because the following week was Sean Berger's 400th and I've got a good relationship with Silk, so um, I call him Butter because I personally think he's soft. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, I was spewing, so he started calling me. Yeah, he started, really started calling me. So I called me Princess because I wasn't going to play with him in his four hundred. So I was spewing, but that's all right. Hey, have you been given a nickname yourself yet? Uh, I've got a few floating around. I get, I get, um, you know, DGB is pretty stock standard. Shaggy hangs around with a few. Okay. Um, Liam Shields and Silk call me. Um, yeah, they call me Princess. Um, or, and I also get Denver's just for some reason. In pre-season, everyone's name had an S after it. So mine was Denver's and it, and it stuck. Okay, fair fair enough, I guess. Uh, but if anyone wants to kind of look, search, search Denver Granger Barras on uh, on Twitter and you have a look at the <laughs> latest tweets featuring uh, those terms and you, you get a bit, but then June 27, the day of your debut, there's an absolute explosion when you're going backwards. And <laughs> so many people tweeting, oh, yeah. this, this guy's like a lock for the team for the next 15 years. <laughs> this guy, like 10-time All-Australian, lock it in. Uh, <laughs> you, you're a pretty confident guy yourself. Uh, you've spoken about like wanting to be the best defender, best player in the league, even. Um, and we all hope you can do that and really, really <laughs> want you to do that. Uh, but do you feel pressure at all from, uh, I guess, your own confidence and the media spotlights that's been thrust upon you, maybe because of your confidence and just because of your skill? Yeah, I think, yeah, it's not a really question. Like, it's something that you, you sort of have two ways to take it. You take it head on and, and um, try and overcome it and just, like, just be the best person you can be or you can sort of wilter away from it. But I've always said that the biggest judge um, 
for me personally, it's been myself. Like, like I sort of spoke about earlier, like, no matter how hard I work, like, I always think, like, oh, like, you could have worked harder, you could have run a, you could have run five seconds faster sort of thing. So I've always been my own biggest competitor, and I think that's sort of, like, I, I've always loved the element of outside noise um, pushing me on or doubting me. Like, you know, you sort of take, um, I don't know what the word is, but you just sort of, yeah, you take it on board and you sort of try to use it as fuel. Um, but, yeah, it's just sort of, I've never, like, People like I see it all the time, you know, future captain and all that sort of stuff. And I always love the support, but yeah, I just focus day by day and try and do stick to my process and make sure I can push myself to be the best I can be. Because in the end, like no matter how much outside noise there is, if you don't want to do the work, you're not going to do the work. So yeah, it's right. In my head, it's pretty simple. Just push myself and try and get there or get there. <laughs> Jeez, that's almost the perfect answer, Hart. That's almost the perfect answer from you, Dev. You, you played that very well with Australia. I'll yeah. tell you what, you should be opening in the ashes this year, mate, with that, with that, how you get just get on the front foot. I like it there. But all right, so so you play another four games. You know, you missed Silk's 400th. Uh, he was a bit harsh on you, I thought, calling you a princess. But look, we'll keep moving on. Play another four games. You know, have a draw against Melbourne beat Brisbane, you must have been pretty happy with how the team was going with you and the side and just loving playing league footy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I sort of felt like, I felt week by week, I sort of started to, well, finally, after, after the GWS, I felt really comfortable, like, um, felt like I could really find my way in the team, find my feet, play my game, help the team. Um, and then Melbourne game, like, was a bit different. I played a bit smaller and I was like a bit more like trying to get used to it and it was a good draw. It was one of the our good mates with Christian Petrarca, and yeah, to to draw against him um, was yeah, it was a feeling because it was one of those again, like I said earlier, like you, no game should ever feel like it's out of your reach. But I mean, they were playing such good footy, and to come up against them when they were firing the way they were and draw in my eyes, it was a win. Um, you can put that on the record. I, I had two wins to start the season. Um, <laughs> no, it was yeah, really, really good. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, on Petrarca, just quickly, do yeah. you think he's the best player that you came up against this year? I think, oh, I don't know. I know he's rated, highly rated. I just think he's underrated. Like, <laughs> all, yeah, even really. he's so highly rated. I still believe he's underrated. Like, like if you, if you, like in that Melbourne game, you, I wish they turned the crowd noise and the commentators down for a while. You just hear, like, he's like, he knows where the footy's going um, before it's been kicked, before someone's dealt with it. Um, like sometimes there'll be like if he could step ten meters to try and tackle someone, he would just like no, he'll start running the other way because he knows he's not going to get there in time. He's going to get to the next contest. And like I remember, I tried to tackle him once, and like I said, I'm not the best tackler, but um, I went to tackle him, and it was like I could not. There was absolutely nothing I could have done to stop him. His like core strength is so strong, um, and I reckon he'll still stay like that. I reckon he'll be good as good as he is now, if not better for the next four to five years. Genuinely, I think he's a star. Mm, Don't tell him I said that. He's got a a big head already. (laughs) 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 And uh, we're recording this before the grand final, so you're going to be able to watch him in person uh, 48 hours from now. It should be very, very exciting. But I've got... I'm going to give you two listener questions. Go bang, bang. Uh, quick one first from Brett Lear on Facebook. Uh, Who's your biggest help or support at the club? Or biggest help. Oh, we got we got a what they call a player development manager, which is Josh, um, and he's he's a little ginger, and they, everyone calls him my dad. Um, he's easily my the, like best friend at the club, probably. Okay, uh, and the next one is on Twitter from uh, from Sean. Uh, 
He's got two. Uh, you can answer the first one quickly, and then the second one uh, maybe might be a bit of a story here. First Sean's one. Sean's lucky day. Uh, <laughs> yeah, indeed. Uh, <laughs> first one, funniest bloke at the club. And second one, a favourite or funny story that occurred over this year. Um, funniest bloke at the club, easily me. Um, <laughs> like, there's no question about it. If you ask anyone at the club, they'll say exactly the same thing. <laughs> nah. Um, I love that Dem- Denver's <laughs> modest with the football questions, but when it comes to sense of humor, he's straight into it. He's literally got the crickets in the background, so I don't know what that says about his sense of humor. <laughs> oh, you're not wrong. Um, I didn't think you guys would be able to hear them. I can hear them. They're making me feel pretty poor. Um, that's, honestly, CJ is like one of those people, like, you just he just walks into a room and you're like, you're either laughing at him or you're laughing with him. He's so funny. Um, and funny story. I would have to say is like at the end of the year, just before we like lockdown got really serious, we um we did like a little COVID Olympics just for the younger boys, so like all the first to four years, um and we had two kids. I was one of the team's captains, and we ended up winning. Um, we knew we were going to win. That was no worries there. But like we all got dressed up, and we dressed up in suits, and we did like excuse me, footy golf and um. Like handball games and things like that. It was really good. And the loser had to be the other person's servant for the day. And I, I picked Jacob Kaczynski and I, got, I made him get me three coffees and I only drank one of them. <laughs> I just like, just, I handed the other two out and was just abusing him all day. Um, that was probably a highlight, probably one of the highlights of the year. It was so funny. Yeah, okay, mate. That sounds quite funny. Bit bit harsh on the poor man, mate. Coffee, <laughs> coffee doesn't grow on trees, mate. <laughs> you've, no, bloody, you've, sti- you've stitched him up there. You've stitched him I up made mightily. Him- I made him run a tab down at the local. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. And now moving on to so Harper brought it up before. So grand final in a couple of days' time. Now, I don't, I'm not going to ask you how much Hawks would win by because as we established, you beat you beat Melbourne. It wasn't a draw. You yeah. beat them. And you obviously beat Doggies in round 22. So if you were in grand final day, you'd be <laughs> premiership by enormous enormous handle. But anyway, oh, we'll move yeah. on. Yeah. Predic- prediction though. <laughs> who's, yeah, who's, who's winning out of North? Who's winning out of Bulldogs and Melbourne? Oh, I think... I know I, I personally, I'm going for Melbourne. Um, I've got Luke Jackson, who played with Vid State, and Trent Rivers as well, um, played at ends with them. So, like, for them to win a flag would be huge. Um, yeah, so I'm supporting Melbourne. Um, I think it's, like, it's one of those games where, like, you wish it was a seven-game series, like, like in the NBA, because I think it's going to be they're – both, they're both their game styles are so good and they both, they, both teams play them so well, I reckon – um, it's one of those like whoever rocks up on the day kind of thing. I personally don't think it'll be that close of a game. I think one team will take it away, um, which which is not what you want for a granny. So I hope that I'm wrong, but yeah, I think whoever's firing and up and about, um, and if they can keep Cody Waitman from from impacting the scoreboard, then I reckon I reckon Melbourne will win it. So fingers crossed for Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. Well, I reckon the best team was out last week in Geelong. So we'll move on from the grand final. Harps. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, you've got some crickets in your backyard, but we've got an elephant in the room here that uh, all, all the footy fans, all the Hawks fans are going to be wanting to hear, the coaching situation. Uh, yeah. So Sam Mitchell is obviously, he's your coach now, uh, but you had Clarko for all of last season. How do they compare? How do their styles compare? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's funny because Sam played under Clarko, yet um, like game style beliefs are so contradicting. Um, yeah, and like it's just weird. Like, you know, Clark is your older style, very traditional um, coach, whereas Sam's more of a younger, um, 
you know, sort of figure, like good relationship with the younger boys. And it's sort of very, very similar with their game style. So Clarko's def- like Clarko's game style is very defensive and um, we attack from defense and we impact from defense um, and no good def- – or every good offense is off the back of a stable defense sort of mentality. Whereas Sam Mitchell, like if you just – if you went down if you went down to any Box Hill games, you'd see like he's all about attack. Like his, his mantra for the season was to kick 20 goals every game. And, you know, sometimes they kick 19 goals, 10. And he wouldn't, he'd be, yeah, you'd be, we got the win, but he wouldn't be happy because we didn't kick 20 goals. And there was a few times we won um, and we didn't kick 20 goals and he was he was contemplating whether the boys were allowed to sing the song or not. I'm dead serious. He was like, I don't know, because we won, but we didn't reach what we wanted to do. He's very, very, he's got super high expectations of everyone around him and himself. I think that's going to be a huge driving factor this year. So preseason is going to be a battle, but I reckon it's going to be like one of the biggest learning curves anyone will have to take and we'll uh It'll definitely like it'll shape us next year. So fingers crossed. But yeah, Sam's a lot younger. I think it's gonna be really good. Yeah, I can hear the differences, but I don't. Uh, one thing that's certainly not different is the high expectations of the club. I'm sure both Alistair and Sam absolutely yeah, push the absolutely. boys hard. So that that is absolutely. one definite similarity, isn't it, Harps? Oh. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, there was this massive, massive media thing going on. Uh, it, it was so big, as everyone knows, uh, with the Clarkson Mitchell handover uh, during that kind of maybe two-month period or so. What was it like internally around them? Was there any chat at all about that? Or was it purely like focus on the season, focus on the game ahead? Conveniently frozen. It's <laughs> <laughs> just turned on airplane mode. <laughs> I'm back. Sorry. You there? Okay. Yeah, look, it was oh, it was one thing that like everyone can agree on that was involved involved in that situation is that it was poor poorly handled. Um, you know, for such a legend of the club in AFL uh, in AFL Clarkson in Alistair Clarkson. Um, yeah, to sort of go out like that was um unprecedented and, and not good. I don't think it was anyone's fault in specific. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a hard time for the club. I remember like, you know, my first year in AFL and to be training and all of a sudden see all these cameras lining up and then get ushered under the under the ground all the way up to upstairs into a meeting room. Um, it was a pretty weird experience, but no. Nonetheless, yeah, it was. Like once we're, at, like, we're in the meeting room, we had the chat. We, we, we got told Clark I wasn't going to continue the year. And it was like, okay, no worries. Um, like some said congrats to Sam and some like Pat Clark on the back even though he didn't ask for it and then it was like okay and then opera review 10 minutes 10 minutes later and he was addressing the media at 5 o'clock that night and like everyone you know you have your little conversations about it and all but like it was yeah very much like business orientated let's get down to it and I mean there's no greater coach in today's game in this current era than Alice Clarkson and then that proved in our last six rounds um, we've completely flipped the year on its head. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think anybody that's like ever had a coach stand down, whether that's at your local under-12s basketball, you know, you, you have such a great connection with your coach and it must have yep. been real, real tough, the fact that you've got so close to somebody every year, then suddenly it's like they're gone. Yeah, absolutely. It was absolutely like, I mean, it's your first AFL coach and I came in and had one of the greatest to ever do it. Um, and that the level of excitement never dissipated like the whole year. I was so excited to work with him to hear his point of view. Um, but yeah, then yeah to hear that he was leaving, it was a bit of a gutting thing. I always was rooting for him to sign on in twenty twenty two. But yeah, you know it is what it is. Footy comes footy, but Sam Mitchell is going to be a ripper. So 
sort of take it day by day, year by year. And I think next year is going to be going to be completely different and really exciting. Just one more thing on the coaching, not on the handover or anything, but what <laughs> what is it for you that makes Alistair Clarkson just so so good, so so special as a coach? What's that, or yeah. maybe multiple defining factors? Yeah, I think there's there's too many, but one thing I've always noticed is his passion, like his passion, like midway through the year, he just went, nah, boys, our system isn't working and went, let's try this, um, let's just do it. And I remember there was, I can't remember, oh, I was telling this story the other day, I can't remember which game it was, but we came in at halftime and we were up, we were winning, um, we were playing dreadful, uh, I think it was the Adelaide game. Um, so I don't think we were up, but we were very, very close and Barco came into the room and oh, fuck, I've never heard anyone yell so loud to the brink, to the brink of tears, screaming at, our, at the players, just asking for something like uh, a bit of fight. And we ended up, we didn't give it, we did give it to him. We got, we, I think we were in the lead at one point, um, but we playing, we weren't playing the footy that we were capable of, and that frustrated him. So his his level of passion, commitment to the footy club and the people in it, I don't think. I'll ever see that in a coach ever again. I just think Alistair Clarkson's a unique character on his own. So, yeah, hard to make comparisons. Yep, that great answer, mate. Absolutely superb answer. And now, after covering one, probably one of the biggest stories, I've got. I'm going to escalate this. This is probably going to be a bigger story heading into 2022. Now, you obviously wear number 38. I know. I know. I'm sure it's a number close to your heart. So. Uh, it's uh, often rookies get the uh, the higher numbers. Are you looking for a number change, or are you looking to be you're looking to stay in number thirty eight and forge a career in it? What what is it? Yeah, it's a good question. So the, like the way our locker room is set up, um, it's sort of like a, a like a just think of a rectangle, but then one of the corners is like a elongated tail. Um, so sort of sort of like this. <laughs> so sort of like that. So there's a rect- rectangle here. <laughs> And then there's like a few more lockers up here, so you don't Check want to be. Out you don't on want YouTube to be up if you here. want to see Denver's little <laughs> diagram there. Yeah, my little diagram. And then so you want to be inside the square. And my locker is right here, so it's right on the corner. So it's it's passable. Like you could definitely hold onto it for career lengths. Um, <laughs> I'll just sort of. I personally, I've never ever worn 38. Oh, sorry, I wore 38 a long time ago. Um, I used, used to wear 19, but that's Gunners. Um, yeah, there's a few numbers like if they popped up eventually, like I wouldn't mind jumping into. But I personally, I don't believe in the, you know, the, I don't know what you call it, superstition of wearing the same number <laughs> in every game you play. So if they if they can't move me down, then no worries. I'll stay with six fat and stay with thirty eight and hopefully turn it into something great. Yeah, I was, I was just making sure because I'm sure plenty of our listeners will be slapping number thirty eights on their Hawks jumpers. They just wanted to make sure it was a good investment for them. So thank you for answering that. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> Uh, another listener question on Twitter from Danny Prins. Uh, what are your aims and goals for 2022, Denver? Yeah, it's a, I love that question. I love it. Um, it's funny, like going the, like last year, just passing. Um, sorry, that's not all, at all what happened. This year, um, like I spoke about earlier, my goal is being to play round one and like, are that not happening? Um, you know, you sit down with certain people and they turn around like, oh, it's okay, just like sort of tone your goals back a bit, you know, just make them realistic. But um, if I don't know if you gauge anything, what I'm like um, on this, this this Zoom, I'm like, no thanks, I'll ramp it up a little bit more. So, yeah, the same goals are to play around one next year, to be fitter, just more more specific um, goals to, to achieve that. I think it's sort of what I focused on. So, yeah, getting fitter. 
um, getting match fit, improving on my foot skills, like all the little footy things like that, but also developing coping mechanisms off field that like they'll all eventuate to me playing better footy, but got to have your mental side on wrap. And it was being hard. It was hard being away from home this year, but, um, you know, find my way through that, um, develop coping strategies that will help me play better footy and then hopefully hold my spot in the team. So, you know, I want to push around one next year and push to play every game. Um, yeah, and then my goal is pretty clean cut. Yeah, great answer. And I'll tell you, what, we've got one more question because we've t- we've kept you longer than we meant to. But look, mate, that's not my fault because you shouldn't give such bloody good answers. So that's you shouldn't you should keep. I talk, I talk for too long. I know I do. I ramble on. No, talk, mate, there's not doing. been probably... any rambling here. It's been superb. I'm just worried that I know you have to pick up Chinese. So, no, I, you're right. so the last question. <laughs> I've been getting goosebumps after every answer. Seriously. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, but okay, final question. So, life philosophy, is there any few little words that you live by? I think we might have asked you this yeah, last time. absolutely, absolutely. I think um, I'm going to ramble. I'm going to ramble on here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I just – something that's always been instilled in me is um, this one little saying that mum wants me to put out in the world a lot more and it's, it's have courage and be kind. It's a really simple, really simple phrase. Um, think about it in any situation, whether you know, whether it's you picking on someone or someone picking on you, you know, just stopping, reflecting, you know, have courage, be kind. There's, there's a reason why someone's acting a certain way, you know, understanding that will give you better insight. So, yeah, that little phrase right there, have courage, be kind. If everyone can get that tattooed on themselves on their <laughs> forearms, so they, they never forget it, then uh, I reckon the world would be a much better place. So, that's my little, my little mantra and something I'm trying to instill in today's world. Uh, it's uh, lovely that you say that because that's almost precisely what we were talking about at the start of the show, all your courage on the field and then <laughs> your kindness in person. It <laughs> reflects absolutely perfectly. And exactly uh, right. like, like Lockie said, we did ask the same question in the last episode. We'll be asking it uh, pre-season, post-season, every time we speak to Denver and all the other class of 2020 people uh, throughout this whole series. Um but I think that just about wraps us up. Your Chinese is probably getting cold. Lockie, have you got anything else? <laughs> I oh, just uh, are you ordering plum sauce chicken? Nah, nah thanks so much for jumping on, jumping on Denver. Always a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for our listeners for tuning in. No, pleasure's mine, guys. Thank you, everyone. Give it a good listen. Another class of twenty twenty uh, come tomorrow, guys. So keep an eye out for it. Thanks again, Denver, and thanks for tuning in.